Hi, I'm Dr. John Newfeld, and you're watching Truth in Life today. Well, I've got a Bible right here, and uh, it purports to be the revelation of God in human history. But how do we know that's the case? Well, you want to watch this. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. I'm reading the opening words of the book of Hebrews. It's a book in the New Testament. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Long ago, long ago. In fact, when we open up our Bible, that's what we get. We get a book that purports to come to us over a history period of some 1,600 years. It took 1,600 years to write this, and some of the stuff that you find actually predates that time period. This is an ancient book of history, but it's also the book of God entering into history and speaking. You know, every once in a while, uh, God raises up people who are just objective scientists, who look at the evidence that is before them, at what archaeology has taught them, and what ancient manuscripts have taught them. Well, I want to talk today with uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Perrin. Um, he is an associate professor of biblical studies at Trinity Western University in Langley, British Columbia. He is a Dead Sea Scrolls scholar who is spending his life uh, studying ancient scrolls that were discovered in the area of the Dead Sea. Uh, what he has discovered uh, tells us something about the authenticity of the Bible. Well, Dr. Perrin is, is a bit soft-spoken and he will talk about what he can objectively say is true. But I'll let you weigh the evidence of what he says. He wants to tell us that the world of the Old Testament is indeed a world that comes to us through the pages of time. And he'll present the evidence of why that is in fact the case. So Dr. Andrew Perrin is, uh, has been at Trinity Western since uh, 2013. And uh, he's a young scholar, but he's picked up the mantle of a, a number of good biblical scholars, Dead Sea Scrolls scholars who have come before him. It's a joy to have Dr. Andrew Perrin here in our studio. Andrew Perrin, it's a delight to have you on Truth and Life today. Welcome to the program. Um, Henry Ford said history is bunk. Now, do you agree with that? <laughs> I didn't drive here in Ford. Um, <laughs> But I would say history is not bunk. History is an opportunity. How do we kind of go back in the past and understand ourselves? Yeah. So the thing I find most exciting about history and why it's not bunk is that it's somehow understanding who we are today. We've got to go back and rethink who we are, not just in our own lives, but our own traditions, our history, our family. So I hope it's not bunk. I don't feel like it's bunk. Well, there's something about our faith as well that is deeply rooted in history. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, you are a Dead Sea Scrolls scholar. I am. And yes. I don't know whether or not that's going to make you exciting to people, but you yeah. think it's exciting. I, I, and I've got you here, so I think it is. Too. I'm glad we're excited together about it. There's at least two of us then. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about what happened. I mean, what is the Dead Sea Scrolls? I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. The Dead Sea Scrolls are a collection of about a thousand fragmentary ancient manuscripts. Um, they were found not in the Dead Sea, but in caves near the Dead Sea starting in 1947, so 70, 72-ish years ago. 
Um, so they're fairly new discoveries, but remarkable discoveries. Uh, of those, you know, a thousand manuscripts or so, about 20 to 22 percent are writings, copies of books that we now call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. And the rest are ancient Jewish writings from the centuries leading up to kind of the time of Jesus. So they, they give us a remarkable new insight into on the one hand, kind of the text of the Hebrew scriptures and then the context of ancient Judaism in the time of Jesus. Okay, so they are some Old Testament manuscripts, yes. including some other manuscripts as well. But yes, yeah. Before we look at the details, Andrew, tell us, how important is this stuff? I mean, is it a minor issue? Is it a major issue? As you think about what was discovered there in 1947 and then after, Yeah. I mean... Can you rate the importance of this thing? I would, if I had to really, if I had to kind of rank this with a letter grade, because that's what you do as academics, right? You, this is like A plus plus bonus marks. Um, before we had the Dead Sea Scrolls, our oldest and most complete copies of the like, Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, were about a thousand years old. Now these manuscripts are a thousand years older than that still. So we wound back the clock uh, more than a full millennium on our kind of manuscripts that were available to study the world of the Bible and the text of the Bible. So let's let's see if we can restate that again. Yeah. So we had from the Old Testament, if we said, okay, we've got all these books in the Old Testament that tell us the story, the history of Israel and God's dealings in the world. Yes. Um, and these came to us from an ancient time period. Yes. And they continue to be copied and copied and copied. Yeah. So that before 1947... Our copies were 1,000 years old? Yes. Yeah, for the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Old Testament, 1,000 years old. Okay. Yeah. And so we now moved the clock back Yeah. another 1,000 years. Yeah, which is huge. So that ranking the importance, um, that doubles the, the, the amount of time that we've got uh, than we previously had before. So that means we could ask questions, are they the same? Are they different? What is the continuity? How do we go from A to B? But that's one of the main reasons why these texts, these discoveries, even though they're very modern, they're more ancient than anything else we had available right. before. So it's a really incredible opportunity. Uh-huh. So a lot of people, when they think about the Bible, yeah. they're going to say, you know, it's just the Christian holy book. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is what Christians believe. But Christians have always said this is... This is the story of God's dealings in history. Yes. Yeah. And yet the critic could have said to us, well, you know, I mean, I don't know the, the stuff that, how do we know that stuff really happened? Did the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls help in a way to help us to understand, can I trust the Bible to be a genuine historical document? Yes, I think they do. And I think we could think about it in maybe a few terms. We could talk about kind of the, you know, the composition of the Bible and then the transmission of it, the copying of it. The scrolls are really helpful for both of those things, but what they showed us, when you compare that uh, text we had this from 1,000 years ago to these ones 2,000 years ago, yeah. you might expect if you and I compared notes from you know, a letter I wrote to you and then something else 1,000 years in the future, there could be a lot of differences, right? Right, because people don't have a, a printing press. Absolutely. Yeah, one Scribal person copying, 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 yeah. copying, copying. The scrolls, I think, really showed us that the, the continuity of Scripture was quite unparalleled. For, again, if I was copying something over a thousand years, there'd be a lot of differences. The scrolls, I think, really underscore that there is a continuity to Scripture, to the Hebrew Bible, to the Old Testament. But at the same time, it also helps us see how were scribes copying Scripture. 
Um, because again, as you, as you said, they're not photocopiers. This is not a printing press. Um, these are human scribes as they're transmitting a tradition. So we can learn not just about the text of, of the Bible, but how old it is and how like consistent it is, but also how is it that these scribes were invited into that process as right. well. So we find something out about the historicity of our Bible. We yes, find something yeah. out about whether or not the Bible that we had prior to that was to be trusted. Yeah. And as a Dead Sea Scrolls scholar, as someone who has looked 1,000 years back, which yeah. very few of us have done, yeah. um, as you look 1,000 years back, what can you tell us about how authentic our Bible actually is? Yeah. One of the things I like to think about is the the scrolls. They're older, right? But we've had we've only known about them in a very recent modern day. So if you, any if you have any Bible, and most Bibles will be looking at manuscripts, the translators behind English translations will be doing some homework in these manuscripts. And one of the things that they'll do is they will look at manuscripts and they'll see, again, these aren't photocopiers. They're not uh, printing presses. So there's going to be some differences. What your translators are doing is looking at, say, maybe the 2% of differences in the biblical text, and they're going, which ones matter? Which so, ones are the oldest forms of the text? And then how do we update our Bibles to make them more ancient? Because now we've got this ancient material. So our modern Bibles, in a way, are far more ancient than the ones that we have. It's very now. helpful because yeah. uh, somebody will say, well, an updated car means that you know, you have abandoned the ancient for what's right now. Which is why history is bunk if you're Henry Ford. Because <laughs> the, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> but an updated Bible means that it is more accurate than ever before. Yeah. So it's new information to us because we didn't have it, right? But it's something that was there in the ancient so, so, world. So what is that new information? I mean, what is it that we now know that we didn't know before? Yeah. Can we talk Can we look at talk about a few examples of this maybe sure. to kind of ground it? Um, We've got copies of every book of the Old Testament at Qumran, the site of the Dead Sea Scrolls called Qumran. You'll quite often hear that. Do we have copies of every? I was Except on... for, do you know this trivia? Yes, Scrolls? Esther. Okay, good man. Uh, except for Esther. Um, so we've got copies of everything else. Now, when we look at those and compare them to other manuscripts, uh, some of the places you might go would be like Isaiah. Uh, so Isaiah. the Isaiah scroll is really the centerpiece Beautiful. of the whole thing, Yes, right? when you go to the shrine of the book in Israel, this is the, this is the, the centerpiece. So of tell us Isaiah. why the book of Isaiah is the centerpiece. The book of Isaiah uh, was known in many, many, many copies of Qumran, as well as interpretation. So Isaiah was very important to this community. Now, if you look to the New Testament, actually, the writers of the New Testament quote Isaiah a lot, too. So there's something going on of this interest in Isaiah in that time, right? The Isaiah, one of the Isaiah scrolls of Qumran, the first one that was found in the first cave is the second largest scroll of the entire collection. We're used to thinking about books, right? Right. Uh, this scroll has material from every one of the 66 chapters of Isaiah. It measures more than seven and a half meters long. So that's 21, 22 feet. That is unparalleled for And how have. complete is that scroll? Uh, the only parts that are kind of damaged is really the, the, the edges along the bottom because it was sitting for 2,000 years uh -huh. up and down, right? Uh -huh. um, but we've got almost every word of the book that was there. Uh, and what we see there is a number of things. The first thing, when you look at it, even if you don't read Hebrew, you go, this is just arresting to look at. But it also seems a bit sloppy. There's maybe some, some handwriting that's out of style. And you might go, this is a really careless manuscript. But... Mm -hmm. One thing I say to my students a lot is, 
uh, messy manuscripts really matter because that shows that it meant something to this ancient community. They were using it. Um, if you've got a Bible that you've had for decades or years, chances are it looks pretty rough. Falling apart. Exactly. Why? Because you've used it because it's been part of your experience, your life on a daily basis or, or something like this. So we can look at it and go, this is a manuscript that was well-loved and well-used. But we also could look at the actual words on the page. So if you wanted to um, study Hebrew and do some comparisons, what you'd find again is the lion's share of that scroll is the same type of text that we know about from a thousand years later. So this scroll, when we unrolled it, we didn't go, oh my goodness, this is a different book. What we found was this is the book we knew about, but how do we find some details in it that might improve our understanding of the ancient text of Isaiah? Thank you, Andrew. We're going to be right back with Truth and Life today, and we're going to find a lot more about why these things are so important. Join us then, would you please? Well, I'm back with Andrew Perrin, and uh, we are talking about something that really isn't bunk. It's about history, and it's about the history of the Bible. And we've just been talking about a, a scroll of Isaiah, which took us back 1,000 years into the past. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, I, I just want to make sure that all of us, uh, you know, our listeners are understanding. When we, you use the word a manuscript, yes. could you define that for us? What is a manuscript? Yes. Again, we kind of go from what's familiar to us. We think about books, you know. Uh, books, before books, we had codices, which are kind of like books. Their pages are sewn together. They're a little more awkward, but they're essentially books. In the ancient world, manuscripts were largely on scrolls. Uh, and that's exactly what it sounds like, a very long sheet of parchment or leather written on and, and rolled up. Um, that would be the, one of the main media forms for writing literature, for transmitting texts, whether it was, you know, Greek philosophy or Jewish scripture, you'd find scrolls. So when we found the scroll of Isaiah, we didn't find the actual manuscript that Isaiah wrote. No, that's a great, a great uh, thing to qualify. One of the things that comes to mind for me again is not Isaiah in this case, but Jeremiah. If you read Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, uh, my favorite prophetic book, he tells his own story, there's oracles, it's, mm -hmm. it's a great read. In Jeremiah 36, he, Jeremiah actually has a scribe, uh, his Baruch, and they write a scroll um, of God's oracles to this king. Uh, they take the scroll upstairs and then he burns the scroll. Scroll is gone. <laughs> scroll is gone. So they have to go back downstairs and then they, God says, okay, you got to write that again. And here's the updated message because he didn't get it the first time. So we don't have uh, that. That's just an example of, you know, like the, the story of Jeremiah begins with a lost scroll. These manuscripts that we have in the Dead Sea Scrolls are like that. They're copies of older materials, but at the same time, they're the oldest copies, the oldest manuscripts that we have. A lot of scholars say that they will authenticate the historicity of the Bible. Yeah. Will you say that? I would say what they authenticate is how we understand the age of the biblical text. Because as a scholar, we want to know about sources and context and history and is it bunk, right? Mm -hmm. So that means tracing things back as early as we can. One of the things for me about the scrolls, one of the reasons I got into the world of studying the scrolls was, it, was the scrolls really showed me for the first time the Bible has a world that it came from. It's not the world I'm part of. So how do I get into that world? And one of the ways of doing that is diving into 
ancient studies to go, what did the world of scripture look like? Because we're foreign to it in many ways. So for me, the academic and the kind of the personal interest of the scrolls is about entering into that space and understanding what were people thinking, doing, how do what they think, do, believed, hope for, um, shape the way they interacted with these, these biblical texts. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, all of this is, is really interesting because you, you also, you not only look at whether or not the Bible that we've had was accurate, but you're also asking a further question, which says, you know, I mean, what was the world like? In Absolutely. Days? Yeah. Yeah. That's and I want to come crucial. back to that, but I want to ask you a question. Now, we found these scrolls, we being, um, I guess, I guess by accident. Yeah. Yes, this was, uh, so 1947 is kind of when this starts. Uh, there was a, a group of Bedouin that lived in the area that, uh, in the Judean wilderness. And one of them or a group of them happened upon a cave. And in that cave, they found the first seven, that first scrolls um, of Isaiah, some other ancient Jewish texts, some interpretive texts. And then as the years went on up till 1952, more caves and more scrolls came to light. So that by the mid fifties, it's this cachet of scrolls coming out of the desert um, that was completely unexpected at that time. So, I mean, these scrolls are at the very least 2000 years old and older. How did it ha- happen to last all those years? I yeah. mean, I can't get a uh, you know paperback copy of a book to last for ten <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, how they last for two thousand years? Yeah, the so we've got we've been talking about scrolls in terms of the material of scrolls. These books, right next to one of the caves and in the area, there was an ancient uh, archaeological site that was home to a Jewish group, a community, probably the Essenes, mm-hmm. that lived there. And these caves, at least some of them, or maybe most of them, were their kind of libraries. Bookshelves are kind of hard to come by in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Mm-hmm. And they had collected scrolls and deposited them there. So the Essenes are a community. Tell us what yes. kind of community they are. When you read through the New Testament, uh, you hear about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In ancient Judaism, we have a number of different groups uh, that have different expressions of Judaism, what they believe and think and how they live. The Essenes were one of those groups. But this group at Qumran seems to have been a very inclusive uh, outsider almost group because if you've been to the Dead Sea area, this is not a friendly or easy place to live. Um, They're out there on their own and they're expecting that God is going to be coming back any day now. And they're trying to live out a traditional Jewish life out in the wilderness, and part of that involves kind of studying and copying these manuscripts. So there are a number of scribes among these people. Yes, it seems so, yeah. And, I mean, I've been there, and and the area is remarkably dry. Yes. And I think that, you know, the atmospheric conditions are such that you could actually put something in a pot. Yeah. Because, I mean, here we are. I mean, we're conducting this interview in the lower mainland of British Columbia where it rains most of oh, the time. Oh, this would be terrible for scrolls. Everything yeah, would just decay absolutely. in no time. Yeah, those caves in the, in the wilderness um, are actually quite a convenient place in a way to leave something and forget it because this community gets swept off the map by the Romans. So the community has a tragic end, but the scrolls are kind of become a time capsule in a so way. So the community that lives out there, I mean, there's a, there's a war happening at the same time. Yes, yeah. And there's a war of the Jews, and um, and now I, we don't know what happened to the community. I mean, maybe they were all massacred. Maybe they ran for their lives. Some of each probably, yeah, of course. And uh, whatever happened to them, yeah. nobody remembered that they kept all these scrolls there. It was just lost to us yeah. till 1947 when a couple of Arab, Arab kids mm-hmm. stumbled into that, and, and guys like you decided to make a career of this stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's a really amazing thing. It's a real privilege to be able to 
do that because we have the chance to go into a space that had a very tragic end for this ancient Jewish community, this accidental discovery, and now we can go back and go, what is it about these scrolls that we can see or think differently or affirm what we think about the Bible? Um, because in a way, it is quite an accidental discovery and an accidental time capsule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all of this tells me something that, you know, I mean, I, that's a part of my life and your life as well, that when we hold a Bible in our hands, I mean, we may have picked it up at Amazon or wherever we yeah. got it. But we're holding a very, very ancient document in our so hands. So true. Yes, yeah, so true. Um, we are latecomers to the conversation in a way. Um, and for me, that's kind of, the, I don't know, sometimes it can be difficult to connect to the Bible, right? Um, it's confusing. It can be difficult to understand. It's cultural. It's language even. We have to read translation. One of the beautiful things about studying these texts for me is going, oh, this, is, this was a tradition that has been read for centuries, millennia, in communities. And it's really that, that timeless experience of people picking up this tradition going, okay, what does this mean today? We think about that a lot. That should be a major question for us when we pick up the Bible. But we're not the first God ones. God is speaking to us today. But we're not the first ones to ask that question. Every community, every generation. And the scrolls just happen to be our oldest texts right alongside one of the probably earliest communities you could say. They're trying to understand how does this, how does this biblical text relate to their world, which is frankly in turmoil at that time. When you as a scholar think about the, the find of these scrolls, yeah. Uh, do you see the hand of God in any of this? I think the, the discovery of these materials was a very timely thing for us. Because I think what's going on in the way that we're thinking about the biblical text, we think about it as a historical world. We kind of started off our conversation, is, is history bunk? The idea of studying the Bible as a historical document, that's actually a very recent idea. Maybe two or three hundred years ago, people started to really think about what does it mean to think about the Bible as a historical document. So it's a really amazing opportunity that now that that conversation has been happening for a few centuries with scholars uh, studying the text like this, that we can go, okay, now what do we know about that world and how do we think about these new manuscripts in that world? It's a very timely discovery. I think if we found these texts five or six hundred years ago, we might not be asking the same questions or having the same outcome. You know, Dr. Perrin, it's been a wonderful opportunity to have this conversation oh, with you. Um, it, it reminds me again that the Bible that we hold is an authentic document. Mm. I mean, there are some, you know, religious documents in our day, and uh, we just simply have to take their word for it. But here we have a document which is authenticated through the years that tell us that indeed God did speak to us in times past. Thank you so much for being a part of Truth and Life today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't know whether or not you're satisfied or dissatisfied with some of the things that Dr. Perrin said. I mean, some of you might be satisfied because you'll say, yeah, you know, we can find a group of scientists who continue to look and forage through ancient manuscripts with the assurance that when we read the text of the Bible, we have a historic basis for it. Some of you might also have noticed that Dr. Perrin didn't say, look, I can tell you for sure that a man by the name of Isaiah lived. He can only tell you, I know that we can go back a thousand years and tell you about that world. Some of you might be satisfied with that and some of you might not be, but what Dr. Perrin is, is he's a genuine scientist that will tell you objectively what he has discovered. But as a Bible believer, 
which Dr. Perrin is as well. These kinds of discoveries, like the Dead Sea Scroll, gives us every reason in the world to believe that the Bible that we hold in our hands is indeed an authentic historical document. So when we read about God revealing himself in history, the word of the Lord came to a prophet. God parted the Red Sea. There was indeed a number of miracles that occurred in the past. We're often asking ourselves, am I reading history or am I simply reading fantasy? How do I know? Now, what we've heard today is that there's every reason in the world to believe that what we have before us is real and genuine history. You know, the wonder of the matter is this. Not only has God spoken in the past, and not only has he left us a record of what he has done, which is called the Bible, but now in the day in which we live, in which there have probably been more skeptics of the Bible than ever before, suddenly we come up with ancient documents that have so undercut the skeptics that indeed the a reason for skepticism continues to erode. And those who hold the Bible to be the authentic word of God continue to have more reasons to believe than ever before. I think we can say with a fair degree of confidence that the Bible that we picked up at Amazon or maybe in a local Christian bookstore, and it maybe have been just published, but it is in fact what we hold is an ancient document that comes God echoing through the corridors of time. God is saying, I have visited this planet I have come in history, and I have left record of my existence, and I have also shown how you might know me and live. That's the wonder about all of this discussion. It's not just a discussion about dusty old manuscripts. It's a discussion about the ever-living God and how he can be known. If you've never read the Bible, I'd invite you to pick it up and read it. Read it thoroughly, digest it, and find that indeed, this is God's word to us. This is the word of the living God. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, thanks for joining us today.